0: Welcome to B2B Tech Founders Lounge Podcast. I'm Ludmilla, founder and CEO of Rampic and B2B Digital Marketing Agency. We help Tech Founders get the most of their marketing effort and promote their stories to our audience. We believe that every tech founder has a unique story and their business needs attention. Stick around till the end of the show and we will reveal how you can become our next guest in 15 minutes. hello and welcome to the b2b tech founders lounge podcast the space where tech founders and tech leaders share their uncon- unconventional visions and stories and today i'm here with mikhail dio Cf- ceo of Funalytics, and the website for mikhail's product is funalytics.io. uh mikhail welcome to the show
1: thank you for having me i'm uh looking forward to having our chat and hopefully sharing a lot of uh cool insights and some <laughs> battle wounds and all that fun stuff about running a (laughs) (laughs) title
0: that's that's the most valuable thing for for my audience and thank you so much for uh being ready and for being open to that uh i know that like we've known each other for my god more than three years right now and uh for my audience can you please introduce uh yourself tell us about more about what brought you to building analytics and uh if we can if uh uh you can detail uh the fundamentals journey uh and your journey together because i know that you're very well connected to the product and the brand of ceo and founder uh and tell us more about like the backstory behind it and where you're kind of heading up
1: yeah, I'll, I'll keep it um, short and and kind of to the point. Um, I would say that I, I consider myself a, a, a digital marketer. Uh, I've, I've learned the ins and outs of digital marketing for over a decade now, and just um, learning how to convert strangers into customers. I've started multiple different types of businesses, so I'm, I would also say that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, but um, my core skill set, I should say, is, is digital marketing and. A lot of the things that I would do uh, over the years was basically helping businesses with their marketing, with their funnels specifically, helping them um, with their customer journeys convert these, like I said, strangers into customers. And um, one of the things that I did uh, in mid-20, around 2015, uh, is I started a marketing agency. I had done a few things prior to that, but I, I started a marketing agency where I would basically build marketing funnels for for our clients and I would look at the data and I would send traffic and I would optimize and I would make tweaks and and all of that stuff um, and one of the things that I kept running into was this challenge uh, where basically I would have to visualize my strategy to clients I would do it on a whiteboard um, you know map out the customer journey show them what it is that we we would do, and then when I would build it and we would start running traffic and, and looking at it, I would be stuck looking at kind of charts and spreadsheets and graphs and and, and Google analytics and, and trying to understand what's working, what's not, and it was so complicated because it didn't match the picture that I put together for my clients. So the thought for Funnalytics was wouldn't it be really cool if, if you could have a a digital whiteboard where you could visually map your entire customer journeys and you could overlay all of the data and and, and actually see how are people flowing through all the steps where the bottlenecks are uh, and so on. And and basically that became the, the founding idea of Funnalytics. And we launched our first kind of version in in 2018, the prototype, and uh, and it's been a kind of almost six year journey since, and it's been a, a, a wild ride over the last six years, to say the least.
0: Wow, that's an incredible story, Ian. Um, you mentioned like you you launched the first MVP six years ago. Are you still running it at the same stack or not?
1: And no, not I am well. not. Uh, we we built a new, we rebuilt Phonolytics uh, in mid, we started the transition near the end of 2020. Um, it took us a long time. It took us from basically October-ish, maybe September, uh, until um, until May of 2022. So almost two years, a year, 18 months at least to get to that stage where we could launch Funnelix 2.0 on the new tech stack. Um, And that period was very, very strange because we had a lot of churn in our 1.0 stack. And obviously, since you're not building on 1.0 and you're building a new one, now you have to kind of create some balance. Like, what are you going to do? Because you clearly don't want to market 1.0 you know it churns and you know you're not going to build it anymore and then on the flip side well you don't have 2.0 to start marketing so you're kind of playing in this weird yeah in this weird balance right so so we had to figure out a lot of like what do we do during that time and um and we we ended up pivoting our our sales motion um based on this and and yeah it's 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 definitely very tough what would
0: yeah, what what was like the the main uh, reason behind uh, still keeping one was like the the revenue stream was good or
1: yeah know, it was generating it, revenue and um, we had our 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 we we had a freemium model and we still do but basically we had a lot of people come in for our free tool and the free tool was still we were still letting people sign up to one Uh, As we were building 2.0 and people were still using our free tool, um, it was just our paid tool. Our our analytics aspect um, had a lot of churn and uh, wasn't as sticky as we wanted it to be. So that was the biggest reason and the biggest challenge that we faced was was basically people were coming in for um, our free tool. We didn't want to stop, obviously, that flow of leads. But on the flip side, we also didn't want to keep building on that product because we knew the way the tech stack was set up, it, it wasn't scalable. So it had a revenue stream, we were making money from it. So we just tried to keep keep it going as long as we could.
0: What was the biggest challenge in your transition? Um, Like, did did you? Did you try to keep those like, did you try to drag them to t- 2.0 or how did you address uh, that switch? Because obviously you'll you you, you uh, you'll have to shut down the 1.0 in a certain point of time, right?
1: Yep. And we just shut it down um, a few weeks ago, actually. So we actually yeah, managed...
0: I don't know what to say. Sorry, congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's both. Um, I, it's, it's a relief, actually, to be honest. But um, yeah, so so we shut it down um and the biggest challenge within that transition uh was really figuring out how to best spend our time while figuring out what to really build in 2.0 right so understanding okay there's churn in 1.0 quite a lot of churn but why is there churn and who is our ideal customer for 2.0 because what we didn't want to do is rebuild basically a replica of of 1.0, because um, that doesn't really help. We're just going to now move churn from one platform to the the next. To some degree, it was still a replica. It was still very much the same concept and the same vision. But we had to ask ourselves, okay, well, what are the out of all the features that we built in 1.0, which ones do we build? first and focus on first in 2.0 and which ones do we ignore right and that became kind of our, our thought process um around around a lot of this
0: did you use any frameworks or what was your like decision making process or algorithm behind it? because it's a really tough uh thing to figure out and actually decide what to keep and what to throw away in your product how do yeah. you do that
1: we used uh, mostly the jobs to be done framework and really just trying to figure out like what jobs are we building for what are the jobs to be done that our, our platform is for and asking ourselves in alignment with our vision um what exactly does this tool do and what are all the jobs that are required for the person that actually wants to to these things so for us like we said we had this free mapping tool so it it allowed us what it did is it attracted all sorts of people from your person who's about to launch their Shopify store next week to um, your you know VP of growth at Microsoft and like everything in between right so then we had to ask ourselves okay that's what our mapping tool does and that's who our mapping tool attracts. And by the way, not just in these companies, but also across the world, right? So we've had people in Brazil and in the U.S. and all, all sorts of types of people. So we said, okay, well, this is our, our mapping tool and this is the free tool. Um, however, who are we building the analytics tool for? And and are we going to double down on the analytics side of things or are we going to basically double down on the mapping side of things and, and catering and creating a tool that everybody can use at maybe a low price point? Or do we want to kind of build a more robust analytics tool um, and focus on the performance and, and that group? And, and and that's what we decided to do is, is we decided to just make sure 2.0 was focused on the analytics, because that was much more in line with our vision. Uh, our, our company is called Funnelytics at the end of the day, not uh, Funnel Mapper. So we basically made sure that the, the, this version two was first and foremost um, a very solid and robust analytics tool so that when somebody who was a performance marketer would come in, uh, they would love the tool. And that was most important to us. And then we really started looking at, okay, well, what else?
0: And um, that's that's a great way to build decisions. And you've mentioned that, and that you were still figuring out your uh, like ideal customer, like ideal customer profile or, or profile of companies that you would like to work with, that you would like to work with, not the users that you already have, but the dream ones that you really want to see on the platform. Have you shaped uh, that vision after like that time? And what helped you uh, do that?
1: Um, I think it was a combination of what are we really in the business of? What are we really trying to help solve? At the end of the day, uh, it it, it was really around that. And it always kind of came back to, well, You have to be data-driven and you have to make data-driven decisions, but it's so hard to make data-driven decisions when you can't look at data or you don't even know how to, you know, you know, as much as I do. Google Analytics 4 is the world's best tool ever, right? It's, uh, you know. (laughs) Don't tell me about it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Don't it's tell terrible. me about it. Every it's marketer,
0: terrible. every marketer that I talk to, uh, he has the same reaction that I just did. I'm like me personally, you know, uh, I'm not a big fan of GA four, but we tamed it down a little bit. From but for most of people, the new interface is just nothing.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? And um, and at the end of the day, as marketers, um, we we need to be able to make decisions and we need to be able to visualize and communicate and tell stories, but it has to be data-driven. So for us, it was always, like the vision for politics was always, I want a command center that allows me to plan, measure and optimize my customer journeys. And we had to ask ourselves, okay, well, if that's the vision, it's pretty broad. So where do we focus? Do we focus on planning? Do we focus on measuring? Or do we focus on optimizing? And even though our long, long long-term vision is is basically to do all of those, we had to make a call as to, well, where do we focus on today? Because you can't, in 1.0, the mistake we made was we built features that tried to touch on all of them, and none of those features were built properly, and it was very buggy, non-scalable, and we basically didn't master any of those three buckets. In 2.0, we said, okay, measure is the foundation of what Phonalytics is all about. Um, It has to work really, really well. So let's go and double down on measure first and foremost, before we start thinking about plan, before we even start thinking about optimize. Um, So it was really kind of an alignment between our ideal users. Well, it was an alignment around our vision and then basically saying, Okay, who are the ideal users based on that?
0: And what did you uh, came what did you come to in when when it comes to um like the ideal users because uh, we as an agency could be your uh, client, and, and enterprise-grade, uh, great um, platform like SaaS or platform as a service could also be your client. So everybody who is heavily investing into marketing could be your client. Um, did you figure out um, any way to segment them further, or you're still uh, looking for like the product market fit on a broader scale?
1: So I think um, we have found our product market fit. I think we have not found our go-to market strategy for that market. Uh, and what I mean by that is we still have a lot of people coming in specifically for our kind of um, you know uh, mapping tool and not enough people coming in for our analytics tool itself and i think when we look at the product market fit for this we realize that okay a lot of times you start thinking about product market fit as a type of business but what you really start to ask yourself is okay but is it the type of business or is it the type of user what we found was you could have two very very similar businesses let's call them e-commerce businesses for simplicity's sake both spending, I don't know, let's call it $20,000 a month on ads and both driving sales and all that stuff. However, one e-commerce business, their head of growth is very data-driven, wants a replacement for Google Analytics and wants basically a place to visualize or understand, you know, where his bottlenecks are and what to optimize and what to do next. While the other one is much more centered around, you know, content. It comes from a content marketing background, let's say, right? Well, same business, two very, very different users and two very different personas. And what we found is as we started diving deeper and deeper, it was less about yes, company type and company size was important, but more so, the individual person who is doing the job, right? So again, going back to this job to be done framework, um, if that person isn't looking to do the job, then it just became a, a shiny object for the content marketer who wants to quote unquote be data driven, but they're not by default. They're that's just not their mode of operating. So then they wouldn't log into the platform. They don't use it. They don't look at the data, etc. So
0: wow, we that's, really—that's that's that's deep, Mikhail. That's deep because like you're profiling not this like by company size a job function. You're technically profiling by the type of marketer uh, you have on your client side.
1: You have to, right? You have to understand who is the user and why. Because the, the a lot of times you think that product market fit means um, the company or the type of business or especially in the B2B world. But it's an individual or a team that are going to use your tool, right? And if you don't understand that, then it becomes quite challenging to really find that. Now for some types of businesses, it is a little bit more broad. So for example, let's take uh, Miro, the the whiteboarding tool. Okay, probably a lot more people who are going to use that in the company than uh, let's say Figma as opposed, right? Figma is only going to ever be used by the designer, while Miro is going to be used as a whiteboarding tool for know, people to brainstorm. So it's usually going to be individual teams as a whole, they're going to use it, or maybe it's leadership teams or whatever it may be, right? So I think you have to really truly understand who is the person doing the thing in the software. And if you can nail that, then you can say, okay, yeah, I I need to build around that. Now, the challenge that you face, though, and that we faced is it's very very easy to get distracted so we know the performance marketer is kind of our core um, user on the performance side but then you have all these other users who are coming in and only a small fraction of them are the performance marketers so now you have to ask yourself okay well we've got all these other users on the mapping side do we build some things for them right now so that we can turn them into customers? Or do we keep doubling down on the performance people and ignore all these other users, and then we have to go and figure out how to get more of these performance people, right? So this is where it becomes quite challenging as a whole.
0: And I think it's very hard to stay on track, right?
1: Very hard. Very hard to stay on track, very hard to not get distracted, especially because you have to realize that when you're building software, um, you're you're playing into the future, right? So unlike uh, when you sell, let's say, courses or you sell a service, um, you sell it, you deliver it, right? When it's software, you build it and then you sell it, right? You, you can try to build the vision or you can try to sell the vision, but then you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot because it's not a never a good place to be in and i i did that at the very beginning of funnelly selling the vision and then realizing oh man like you know to this day we don't have heat maps in in to this day some of our founding members from 2018 are still asking when are heat maps coming you know (laughs) like because we we (laughs) sold it in the sense
0: but yeah, it's since 2018. Um, so it means that you have six years of loyal customers, which is well, uh, also yeah, are,
1: members and, uh, and all that stuff. So, but the point here is, um, you have to basically, realize that with software, you're playing, there's a variable to the, the game that is basically effort. Now, in in most most things like you know let's say you you use the kind of ice or rice scoring framework right so you're going to try to look at a feature and you're going to say okay what is the reach what is the impact what is the confidence and what is the effort and you're going to basically score doing this thing based on on those things and again when it comes to let's say courses education info products coaching or even services you can sell it first and you can start working on it. When it comes to software, you've got to factor in effort because you can't do anything until it's built, right? You can't sell it, you can't. So now when you have two features and you have two requests and you say, okay, well, I can build this planning feature that will impact all of these potential users and I can do that in two weeks or I can build this analytics feature that is going to impact just the small, much smaller segment of people, but these are our ideal customers, but this one's going to take five or six weeks. Now you've got to make a call, right? And now you've got to make that decision. Which one do I do? Do I spend the next six weeks building this feature over here? Or do I spend the next two weeks doing it over here and testing that, right? And that's when it becomes really challenging.
0: So, how do you actually decide? Just by yourself, or you have a committee?
1: We have a committee. We sit down as a team, and we basically say, "Okay, so how do we?" You, the committee is going to be made up of um, our our team, our product manager, uh, success team, marketing team, sales team, um, and and engineering, our head kind of engineering. So, we will sit down as a group and basically decide, how do we do this? And we don't typically involve customers because they're biased. Of course, the performance marketer is like, I want this, and of course, the person who's mapping wants this. Like, they don't care about the business, they care about themselves. So um, you kind of have to ignore that to some degree, right? So, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's actually great, uh, Mikael, because uh, it looks like you, suffered through quite a lot of uh, (laughs) issues and challenges before you came to that collective mind, and actually the framework uh, and the quantitative way to measure the impact it actually and actually staying focused being on track.
1: Yeah, and it's not it's it's still not. um, It's still like it sounds easy on paper, right? But it's not that simple in reality, because you again, you're going through these decisions on a regular basis and you are sitting here and you're battling churn and you're you're battling growth and you're basically saying okay well we've got to keep growing we've got to reduce our churn now the question is well how do you do that okay well we could go and try and increase revenue by selling planning features to all the people who want to plan but don't care about analytics um, and again, that's going to cost this much, and they take this much time. And it's all of it is an experiment. You never know if it's actually going to work. Or you could go on the other side and say, "Well, let me go. On, let's stay focused on our performance users. Let's keep improving it for them. Let's keep making it better on that end. Um, it's going to take this much time. But those aren't the people who are coming into our world right now. So that means that in order to get more of them, we got to also experiment with marketing. We got to do this, and we got to do that. So it's this constant battle um, of decisions. And and it's not easy because you sit there and you're like, well, I can see pros and cons of both. So, you know, like there's no right or wrong answer. It ends up being an experiment and you go from there.
0: Wow, Miguel, that's uh, that's actually very insightful. And uh, thank you so much for being that open and sharing Uh, not just the stories but actually practical and very hands-on advice uh, that uh, any B2B tech founder of a SaaS product company can actually take on board. So I encourage everybody who who hears us to get in touch with Mikael, Mikael D of Funalytics, Funalytics Funalytics.io. Uh, either through the website or better on LinkedIn for networking, for exchanging the experiences. Because as you can see, Mikhail has such a journey that uh, any B2B tech founder can benefit from and benefit from networking, benefit from sharing the experiences. Uh, Mikhail, I am truly impressed uh, with your journey and everything that you've built. And I wish Funalytics uh, the best of luck and the best of luck to you. Thank you so much for being on our show. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Mikhail. Foundalytics.io, Mikhail dia, find, find him on LinkedIn, connect with Mikhail. I'm pretty sure that's a great addition to your network. Thank you so much. Ludmila here. Thanks so much for listening to B2B Tech Founders Lounge Podcast. If you are a B2B Tech Founder who would like to be on the show, visit podcast.rampic.agency. If you've got something from this interview that you would like to share, please go ahead and post a link to this episode on social media. Just grab a link, send it to a friend. If you know someone who will be a great guest on the show, tag them in your post to let them know about the show and include our podcast name, which is B2B Tech Founders Lounge, in your post. I love seeing your post and guest suggestions. We are adding new episodes frequently, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Visit us at Rampic Agency website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.